Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We are super stoked. Obviously, this is uh, our last and final episode in this entire series. We're super excited. We have Diane here. She is with us as a special guest with Michelle and I. We're going to be talking and continuing this mentoring moments in regards to leadership. And so we want to like really drill into this because Diane has a, a wealth of knowledge in regards to her leadership experience as well. But before we kind of sit here and brag about Diane, which I'll let Michelle do in here in a moment, Diane, tell us, tell the listeners about yourself. Introduce yourself. Hi, as Maria said, my name is Diane. I work in a learning and development role at a Fortune 500 company, been around for a while. I've had the pleasure of working with both Maria and Oh yeah, Michelle, that's her name. Um, Michelle, <laughs> in a past life, yeah. We've, we've worked very closely together over the years, a previous life for both of them. And a lot of what I do is I help new leaders move into their roles, do something a little bit different, give them the skills and the, the tools they need. So I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for joining. You know, it's really exciting to have you and we're excited to hear a little bit more about that. Michelle, take it away. Tell tell us a little bit more about kind of our mentoring moment segment here. As you as you know, we have talked about this a little bit in the previous podcast, but the idea of this mentor moment series actually started for me many moons ago working with uh, Denny's. Uh, we were putting together first-time leader training and development And as we kind of filled in the blank with all of the processes, the procedures, some soft skills around communication, how to update boards and lead meetings, um, I, I really started making a list of what was missing. And a lot of it is just advice is missing. I will say I have been fortunate in my career to have formal and informal mentors along the way that gave me advice. Diane um, was one of those people that I learned just a shit ton from. Michael, Drew, you guys, you know who you are. I surrounded myself by these people who were just really smart and would give me advice. Maria has uh, never placated me in my life. She just calls it like it is because. She has the goal of helping me get to that place. I was lucky. Most people don't get that opportunity to surround themselves by such a great village, if you will. And the advice, the things that sort of trip you up along the way, they're the ones or they're the things, if you will, that your mentor usually tells you. So that's the idea where mentor moments come from. Really quick uh, videos that we did with people offering advice and talking about it. And we decided to bring that into the podcast. But I do want to talk a little bit about Diane and why we invited her to the podcast. And we were lucky that she said yes to the podcast. I would say twice, Michelle. So for our listeners, we actually recorded this once already. And Diane was amazing at it, but our recording didn't necessarily stick. So we are here a second time that you guys all didn't get a chance to listen to her the first time. So we are so lucky she has offered her time twice to us. So sorry, Michelle, didn't mean to cut you off, but very generous. It's okay. Cause you know what? Stuff happens and stuff definitely happened to us, but 
having her here was a good opportunity to bring what we knew was great advice, right? And we were able to do that with multiple people that we used throughout this series, whether it was Brandon or Keith or Diane, we were able to bring people that not only do they teach the talk, but they've walked the talk in their life as well. And so Diane, having you here, it was kind of our way of taking a little bit of your mentoring that you provided us and sharing it with all of our listeners. Thanks, Michelle. I'm really excited to be here. And yet, you know, second time's the charm, Maria. This one's going to stick for us. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So, yeah. So, Diane, you know, there's obviously been a number of things uh, that you've been able to really mentor others on and yourself, I guess, over the years get mentored on. So we are super excited to kind of hear a little bit into all of your insights and your wisdom that you can give our listeners and, and including ourselves to continue with. So, Michelle. What kind of questions do we have for Diane? Okay, so let's start with just a really tough one. If you could offer one piece of advice that's probably not written in a book for someone just stepping into a management role, what would you tell them out of the gate? The first thing that comes to mind is they need to breathe. They were not hired because they were the expert in everything under their domain. They were not hired because they were the smartest person. Most likely they were hired or promoted because they showed an aptitude to be able to learn something new and to be able to take advantage of those around them and and, and utilize everybody's skills. So for someone who's newly promoted or newly hired, it was something that I also had a problem with every time I took a promotion was I I wanted someone to crack open my skull and pour all the knowledge in. I didn't want to be brand new and excited about something, but have absolutely no idea of what I was doing. And, And to me, that was something. And you mentioned some people earlier on, Michelle, who I also considered as mentors along the way that that kind of helped me get get straight on this information that I didn't have to hit the ground knowing everything about the position and it was okay if I if I engaged my team and I let them be the experts where they were the experts. So that it's a super hard one. It's so funny how you describe it crack open your skull because I think the same thing, right? Not crack open my skull, but I think can somebody just pour like if you would just give me a 9,000 page manual, I'd probably read it just so I wouldn't feel like a newbie anymore. I mean, like who reads the SOPs? People who don't want to feel new. That's that's who it is, right? What advice would you give somebody to get over that? So knowing, and I'm going to, I'm actually going to steal this from Tony Robbins. He always talks about knowing is great, doing is better. Knowing will get you a whole lot of stuff, but it won't get you any money or any job opportunities or any really great actions. It's the doing, right? So what can we do to practice the idea of taking that deep breath and not needing to be the expert? Well, Michelle, we've talked about this before. It takes humility. You were promoted for a reason that doesn't mean you are the be all and the end all. At the very least, you've got to be able to take a step back and take a partner. And you know, one of my favorite expressions is you have to fire yourself. You can't be the best person in the job you were before if you're going to succeed in the job you have now. 
You've got to let that go. And you've got to let those people who are in that role continue being the experts at that role. And you've got to trust in them. So it's humility, it's trust, and it's get out of your own way. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny how kind of the same advice, especially if you are someone in HR or learning and development, where you've seen multiple managers step into new roles over and over again, you can almost give them just a checklist of these are the mistakes you are going to make if you don't pay attention to it. And that fire yourself, it's another big one. So I want to dig into that one a little bit. And I want to start just like I try to do all the time. I, I mean, like sometimes I will just tell people that their babies are ugly and that they need to stop doing stuff. But a lot of times, Diane, I try to help people understand that even when you don't make the best choices, you're usually doing it from a good place or from a place of comfort. So let me talk about this a little bit. People tend to revert back to that old role when they are most uncomfortable in that new role. It's a safety net, right? Like, I don't know how to fix this PowerPoint deck where I've got to create the budget to ask for a certain amount of money um, for this quarter. Never done that before. I've got no clue. I'm lost. I'm uncomfortable. But I'm a rock star at pushing that button in that old job that I used to have. And so the tendency is to kind of shrink back into what you do well. What advice, Maria, you and Diane, what advice do you give people to stop shrinking? Well, for me, it's a matter of they've got to adapt, as we talked about, a growth mindset, right? As we were just talking about, it's very easy to want to stay where you were. I was very successful at doing this. Therefore, that is how everybody gauges my success. And if I want to continue to be seen as successful, I've got to keep doing those things. And it's like, you've got to be okay with making a mistake and learning in order to get to the next level. If we don't, we stay where we are and we're very fixed and we can't help ourselves nor our teams move forward. You know, it's funny. I'm going to use me for an example. Um, I am currently, uh, we're working with a small business in the town that I am from And I find myself, it's completely new business. It's not something I've worked with before in industry. I've worked in before, at least not this way, but I hate not knowing stuff, right? And so what I'll find is that someone will ask me for something. And instead of pausing to get more information, I'll be like, yeah, I got it. And then sure enough, half an hour later, I messed it up. And that actually brings me to... um, Situational leadership, because this is a hard one for me to for me to acknowledge, right? So I'll tell you right now what I'm screwing up. I know I am. I'm taking on new roles and responsibilities. Well, let me pause. Our listeners know this, but I'm going to do a quick, quick recap, right? There are four levels of readiness. Readiness basically means the willingness and the ableness of doing a task, not necessarily an entire role but a task. So uh, there are levels of willing to unwilling and there are levels of able to unable, okay? It is not calling me out. I do not take offense to any of this. 
But the truth is, so if, if one is unwilling and unable, four is willing and able, and then you've got the two in the middle. So two is uh, willing but unable. Three is able but unwilling. Okay. So at this moment, okay, I'm going to pause down. Go ahead. I was going to say unable or insecure. Because a lot of times it isn't the, are unwilling and insecure. It's not the, I don't want to, it's I don't know how to, or I don't like the way it's going to, the light it's going to put me in. That's a good call out. That could be my problem. I might be a freaking R1, but I'm acting like an R4. Well, because you've always been an R4 and so many things you undertake and you've, you've had that feeling of being a rock star at every task. It sounds like a therapy session, right, Maria? It sounds like we're definitely getting into therapy here. Um, but when you get into a situation where something's new or not as familiar to you, you, you think you got it and you go in there and it's you just maybe not be unwilling. You're just insecure about your success. Don't want to admit that I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of the things teaching customer service to frontline employees. We've always talked about how customers, it's usually not that they are trying to mess up your life. By the way, the podcast listeners know that I think customers are basically usually wrong. So it's okay that I say this, Diane. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying, one of the things that we always tell people as it relates to the customer experience is the customer's not in there trying to make your life difficult or mess up some machine before they ask for help. It's that there's a lot of feelings that come up when you have to say you don't know how to do something. Especially, like you said, if you are someone who historically has been able to do stuff without help, it triggers some confidence stuff. Well, and Michelle, that's where that humility piece comes in, right? When you think about it, I've got well in excess of 50 times around the sun behind me. Like, shouldn't I know how to do everything in the world? It's hard to say, I don't know this or take on a new role where I am in over my head. Now, my track record shows that given me the time and the, and the right people to work with and the right resources, I'll probably pull it out. But I don't like that first couple of places where I, I don't know it and I can't be it. And you know, sometimes we, um, Diane and I actually had an opportunity to work on the same team at one point in our careers. And uh, we worked for a leader who also understood situational leadership, maybe not in the beginning, but ultimately got certified. And I can remember the minute she was certified, the language changed. And I was like, listen, I'm an S1, right? I mean, I am a R1 right now, or I'm an R2 right now. I'm going to need you to S2 me. And it doesn't, it's not bad. So like when you look at, I would say with this company I was talking about, I'm probably in the R2 place. I'm willing, I'm all in, let's figure it out. But I don't know. I can Google like you all day long, but I don't really know, right? All that means is it's an indication to my boss that as far as completing the task accurately, I need a little more specifics around who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's it. Just give me a little more detail the first time. And then I should probably catch on if it's pretty simple process. And then you can slowly back off where instead of telling me everything, who, what, when, where, why, and how, eventually you can just go, hey, did you finish that budget? 
hey, do you finish the budget? But we're not at the place, if I've never done it, where you can just go, hey, you finished that budget. And that's a hard place for a lot of leaders to be. They've had success in the past and they are just not comfortable or remembering what it's like to be the new kid on the block. And, you know, they own part of that, but they've got to have those conversations, like you said, we did with our leader at that time, right? They've got to have those conversations and say, yeah, I may have been a rock star before, but this is a whole new world for me. And I mean, I still teach those classes, Michelle, that we taught so many years ago. And and I have to talk people off the ledge on a regular basis. Hey, you know what? It's okay that you don't know this. It's okay that you were great at this before. This is a this is a whole different task for you. And if you want to succeed, you've got to embrace that and you've got to own it and figure out how to get past it. Because it can't be a crutch either. It opens up an entire world of release when you are willing to say, hey, can you just tell me or show me the first time? Tell, point me to someone who can walk me through this the first time that you think is a rock star at it? Or can you show me how to do this once? Here are the pieces that I'm struggling with. It almost feels like a weight is taken off your shoulder when you know that you can have that conversation and just hone in on the specific item. It's not that I don't know how to do all of this new job. It's that this one piece, just show me how to do that right now. And sometimes it's a lot different, right? I mean, you go from people who are very high functioning individual contributors. They did a great job at whatever it was they did, but now there's a whole different skill set. And there was a spark in there and there was something they took took over or grasped or, or volunteered and raised their hand for that you watch them say, okay, I can see them in that next role, but I have to be cognizant of the fact, and, and you all as leaders have to be cognizant of the fact when you see that in your team members, that don't just throw them out there. Throw them out there, but give them those resources and that lifeline that they're going to need. Completely agree. I also want to touch on something else you said, which was surround yourself by people who are experts. Let's talk about your philosophy when it comes to picking your team. How do you set that up? Well, you know, Michelle, and we've we've talked about this before. When you think about the president of the United States, I'm talking about the role, not the person, regardless of who you feel about who's inhabited that role. We're talking about the role. They are very generally very smart people who know a lot, right? But they don't know everything. And that's why they have a cabinet because then they have those experts at each role. And I think that anytime we take on a new role, especially if it's a leadership role, you've got to put yourself in that mindset. You've got to think like the president of your company, of your country, and who are the people that are best suited to do these things. So sometimes it may be the person you beat out for that job, right? It may be that they were really good at something and and you've got to be able to help them move along. Interesting fact, In our country, years and years and years and years ago, long before anyone that's listening or participating in this podcast were born, way before then, the person who got to be the vice president of the United States was the loser of the presidential race. So they didn't get to choose their own person. So often it was the person who had a totally opposing view. And, you know, there's there's some logic behind that because they were up there enough to be your adversary or the person going against it with you. They had enough knowledge. They had enough exposure. They just had a different way of looking at things. And if you can get those people on board with you, you're going to create a dynamic team. It's not always going to be easy, especially at the front end, getting them to buy into you. 
but you'd be surprised. And I know that I've had success doing that in the past. I didn't want to. Sometimes I had to do a kicking and screaming because someone told me, this is your assistant manager. And you're like, okay, this person wanted my job and clearly knows that they know more about the company than I do. So how do I, how do I get them? You've also got to invest in them. You've got to help them reach their goals. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we spend a lot of time when we're building teams, we spend a lot of time going straight to who can do the functions on the job description. And guys, I'm not suggesting they shouldn't be able to. Of course, they got to do be able to do the functions of the job description. But I would say before you even start looking at people, you got to sit down and start asking yourself some of the things Diane has talked about. You know, like, who would compliment me? Where do I struggle? If you have a hard time with paying attention to financial details, find yourself someone who does it. If you have a hard time, I was going to say, if you have a hard time having tough conversations, find someone who's better at it. But as a leader, you're going to have to have them. So get over yourself. But still partner with somebody who's better at it. So think about the skills. If I need someone to be an accountant, obviously they have to have uh, the skills and experience to be the accountant, but it would be nice if they could complement this piece of my team as well. We use a couple of models. As you know, Diane, you, I know that you do as well in your training. Uh, we use DISC, we use MBTI, we use um, situational leadership. So there's a, a, a number of models that we use to help people. And I'm just going to, DISC is super simple to explain in a short period of time. So I'm going to use it. If you're a D or an I, you tend to go really fast. Sometimes you plow over everyone else to get to the finish line. And then if you're that S or C, you tend to be more methodical in what you do, right? So asking yourself, how do we balance there as well um, can be a really important thing. Diane, Maria has actually had an opportunity to pick or select a lot of people on her team right now. So Maria, what were some of the methods that you use? You know, for me, it's just, um, you, you have to look at different dynamics, right? When I'm interviewing individuals or picking and identifying individuals for my team, I take a look at a little bit about what Diane said, right? Is what you're picking people in your cabinet. So you're trying to take a look at the skill set. You always want to bring someone that's like smarter than you essentially at the end of the day, but you always, you always want to make sure that it's a good culture fit. So you have to take a look, see if they're aligning with the mission, the vision values of the organization, if it's a right fit for the company in regards to what they're trying to accomplish. A lot of the times I like to I try to identify what are they, what are their growth plans, right? So when you're taking a look at an organization, you know, I, I've, you know, spoken with and worked with, uh, you know, different organizations, some of them are very flat. Well, if someone's looking for a ton of growth and job titles, it's not going to work out if you're at a flat organization or, you know, if they're looking for, you know, kind of leading teams or not leading teams or whatever the case may be, trying to understand what they're also their growth plans are, because at the end of the day, you don't want to have that attrition or turnover in some of your population. So trying to make sure it's just a, an overall good culture fit, I think it's good. Um, and then making sure that you're kind of align, aligning the you know, knowledge, skills, and abilities. So I think it's really uh, critical for you to take a look at some of those in addition to everything else. Diana, it really feels like a lot of the advice you are given right now boils down to being able to take a hard look at myself 
and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Michelle, that that is totally it. And you know what? It wasn't always there. It's something that I've gotten better at over the years. I'm still not an expert at it. And I have to remind myself to get out of my own way, like I said earlier, sometimes. But it is. It, it's being okay in being in that uncomfortable space. It's being okay with Maria with what Maria said about not being the smartest person in the room or the biggest personality. Sometimes it's you gain more credibility and you learn more. You know, when I was a little girl, my mom reminded me that God gave me two ears and one mouth, right? So I should listen twice as much as I talk. That That's always been a, uh, a theme in my life. But that's the important piece, right? Because you've been promoted doesn't mean you've arrived. It means you're in a place to help other people. It means you're in a place to make an impact. And, you know, yes, you're reaching to move forward, but you can't forget to reach behind you and pull somebody else up too, because that does so much for you as you move yourself forward. And it surrounds you with great people. So Diane, did you find your DISC profile? No, I, I was looking for it. Um, I have a reminder of where I live, not a D or an I, you know that, Michelle. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a D with a little C. Yeah. Maria? I think I'm a C. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> Diane? Oh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm somewhere in the SC area but I can't find it. The interesting thing is that collectively becomes like a really good team. So you guys can tell me to slow down when I'm moving too fast and not paying attention to details. So last words of advice for future leaders getting into positions um, or those that are into their positions and really trying to be everything that we are trying to restructure everything we've talked about in the last couple episodes. I mean, you know, we talked about so many things this series about, you know, the kind of the the myth busters of leaders can go out and party with their direct reports and all these things, right? All the wish I would have known like type of situations. Um, So, you know, we've hit on so many different aspects uh, what are, you know, any takeaways that those in leadership positions sh- should really think about and take away from this conversation? Yeah, I think the most important thing uh, for me is you've got to be able to slow down, take some time, assess where you're at, assess what you need, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Because as a new leader, you want to know it all and do it all. And if you wait too long to ask for help, you can turn a smoldering ember ember into a total wildfire and you don't want to do that, right? So for your self-preservation, for those around you, the people you've been entrusted to lead, be mindful of what your limitations are and who those people are that can help you. Love it. So nothing else to say other than that. We're going to leave it with that to cut off this series for the listeners. Diane, Thank you so much for joining us. Michelle, as always, thank you for being the MC. and we will see you later. Take care, listeners. Bye.